Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, international vacations boom while domestics go bust, at least from an airfare standpoint. And new nonstop flights are popping up at Sacramento International to Toronto, Miami, and Orlando. Details in the news. We'll help you make you a smarter traveler today with a discussion about what not to say to your pilot, or for that matter, when crossing an international border. Tips on when to keep it zipped coming up at 320. Hawaii is a great destination, and Kauai is my favorite island. I spent most of the week there creating a new tour and have some observations and tips about travel to Hawaii in general and to Kauai in particular at 335. We wrap up with our mailbag segment at 3.50 as we answer your questions about seat selection, airport hotel rates, and rental cars. Thanks for the privilege of your time. We'll try and teach you something of value today on The Travel Guys. On the road again, I've been everywhere, man. Welcome, my friends, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys. As always, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Thanks for coming along. I'm Tom Romano, and uh, to my extreme left is uh, Mark Hoffman. Where I don't know why it seems like every time the Travel Guys has a live Sunday show, mm-hmm. it's 106 degrees. And yeah. I'm so glad to be indoors. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, how have you been, Mr. Romano? I have been well, just uh, d- doing the granddaddy thing, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, looking well, for- forward to we're looking forward to a little vacation time sometime in the near future. Good for uh, you. And maybe one of these days, uh, you know, uh, after picking your brain about Hawaii, I'll uh, finally pull the trigger and get back over to the islands. Uh, you did a little scouting trip that we're going to talk about a little later on. Uh, I didn't even know where you went. I just knew that you went somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I have that same feeling myself. I'm not really sure where I went. I just know that I went somewhere. <laughs> anyway. Well, all right. How was your trip? It was good. It was very good. Uh, a lot of people over there. and um, But, you know, any time that you get to Hawaii, and even if you're working, um, which we were, uh, you know, getting up at – sometimes you have to get up really early in the morning, much earlier than you get up on vacation um, to go to a meeting or the like. But our, uh, the point of going over there was to try to find some really cool things for a little different tour, maybe dig a little deeper then and see some things and stuff. Anyway, we're going to talk about that later on. But, yes, we had a good we had a good trip. All right. Well, at the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we do our best to bring you up to date on what's been going on in the travel news. And with the update, here's Mr. Mark Hoffman. I mentioned in the headlines that we've got some new air service in Sacramento. A nonstop to Toronto was quietly slipped in by Air Canada recently. Leaves about 20 minutes after 9 in the morning. Flies you to Toronto if you're going anywhere to eastern Canada or even central Canada. Um, what a great connection. It's on an Airbus 220, which is very, a very passenger-friendly plane. So another way to get to destinations that previously uh, oftentimes required two connections. So that's terrific. There's a new nonstop between Miami and Sacramento starting this December. 
American Airlines is going to operate that. They have a hub airport in Miami. The flight will leave Miami about uh, 7.45 in the evening, make it to Sacramento around 11 o'clock, and then go back as a red-eye. This is pretty common with some of the nonstop flights from some of the East Coast destinations for Sacramento. We're not quite the kind of market yet that uh, we're getting these flights because they can use a plane to go back overnight, and if the passenger loads aren't quite as good, why then the flight can still survive. So it gives us some, and, and it gives us some great selections when coming home nonstop from the East Coast. Things like Dulles and Newark and Boston and now Miami, so that's a big plus. Southwest Airlines also announced that they're bringing back nonstop flights to Orlando uh, next spring. So lots more good choices from Sacramento, Tom. As I mentioned to you uh, before the show started, if you're in the airport or on planes, you'll hear a lot of folks who are from the middle area between Sacramento and Oakland, San Francisco, folks in the Napa, Vallejo, Fairfield area. They're all they're coming to Sacramento in much greater numbers than they ever were because I never heard those conversations before. Parking is cheaper. It's easier to navigate the airport and fares are cheaper than San Francisco. I don't know about Oakland, but uh, and with the growing choices of Internet of of nonstop flights. And uh, now you can get to two choices. You get two choices nonstop to Canada. So we've got some Mexico nonstop. So we're we're growing. We're growing as an airport. Yeah, that's that's good news. And as you say, I mean, if you lived in uh, Fairfield uh, or anywhere in between here and the and the Bay Bridge, uh, booking a flight out of Sacramento if it's if it's going where you want to go would certainly be a lot easier. Yeah, especially if you were traveling early morning uh, and getting getting home at night, and you know your flight gets in six seven o'clock and trying to get back over the Bay or the Golden Gate Bridge or the Dumbarton or something like that. So anyway, more folks are coming, going from Sacramento. Domestic airfares have dropped considerably, according to Hopper, an airfare tracking platform, shows that while international airfares are up about 10% over last year and 26% from pre-COVID times, the cost of a domestic airfare actually has declined 11% on the average from last year and 12% since 2019. So as we kind of thought... And have talked about on this program as international uh, domestic destinations were the thing last year. International destinations, as people feel more comfortable, are the thing this year. I think by next year we are going to see some normalcy as we book hotel rooms at Sports Leisure Vacations for next year. Um, we're seeing some more reasonable prices, not necessarily huge decreases, but the big increases are not happening. And also with airfares, I have a group going to Key West. In January, the fare is about $200 less than it was last year. So we're seeing some March airfares that are lower also. So at least we're we're starting to see some more reasonable pricing uh, when it comes. And, and it's my hope that hotels and the like will be easier to get along with. When they had two customers for every room, uh, that's one situation. When you have one customer for every two rooms, that's an entirely different situation. So maybe we'll oh, see yeah. that. By the fall, tour operators are calling to limit tourism in the Galapagos Islands. It's one of the most amazing natural destinations in on the planet. Um, the number of tourists who are visiting there, you go through Ecuador, has gone up dramatically. They're looking at maybe as many as a million visitors by 2040. I don't know that the infrastructure there can handle it. So if you're thinking of going to the Galapagos Islands, my suggestion to you is don't put it off too much longer because you may start to see some caps 
on the number of people who can go there. And if that happens, that's going to cause the pricing to go up, supply and demand. Same thing we were just talking about on the previous story. Doubletree by Hilton. Congratulations to them. Tom, you know they give away those. You check into a Doubletree, you get this wonderful chocolate chip cookie, which is like half of your daily fat input if you look at the Mm -hmm. package. Um, But they're delicious cookies, and they're usually warm. But if you had any kind of a nut allergy or anything, you couldn't eat those cookies. Congratulations. Doubletree is now offering an allergy-free chocolate chip cookie to folks. If you want it, check in. So congratulations to them for taking a small problem and solving it. Uh, Let's see here. Tina, the story of Tina Turner, the musical about Tina Turner is getting amazing reviews in San Francisco. Not surprising. It got great reviews all over the country. At Sports Leisure, the vacations, I think we've we've got about 200 people who are taking uh, Coach down to to the theater to see it with us on a variety of dates. That's really a cool way to go to the show because, you know, you don't have to – worry about parking and traffic and all that kind of jazz, and we drop you off for dinner. Anyway, Tina is getting great reviews. Um, Here is a great story. Uh, We don't have time to do it in in great depth, but we've done stories on Burning Man before on this program. Um, It is, of course, quite the phenomenon in the desert. It is not a cheap thing to attend. You have to buy a ticket, and the tickets are released in batches uh, starting in the late spring, uh, some of the Burning Man tickets can cost uh, as little as $60 a day, but some of them are as much as several hundred a day, especially wow. as you get closer to the event. Um, in addition, they have a complete uh, barter system there. No cash is, is exchanged on site, but you have to take things with you, like water, and then you've got to get your car washed when you get out of the Nevada desert and all of those kinds of things and the supplies and stuff that you need to go to Burning Man, people who have been report that it costs, in some cases for three or four people, several thousand dollars to have a vacation in the middle of the desert in the summertime. You know, the interesting thing is, is if you if you went back in time and talked to some of those that went to the early versions of uh, Burning Man, uh, it was either very little or almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have a good buddy who was a Burning Man guy, not so much now, but he went uh, many times uh, when he was younger and um, had some amazing used to we used to sit around a poker table and listen to his stories for an entire evening about uh, about Burning Man. (laughs) Okay, here, a couple more things quickly. Um, There is an airline pilot. We have this uh, at TravelGuysRadio.com if you want to hear this. Uh, He went viral for what some people said was scolding his passengers. Others say it just showed some great leadership. This pilot apparently has um, had it with passengers misbehaving on his airplane. So he gets on the PA system before the flight takes off and says, hey, you know, the flight attendants are here for your personal safety and to take care of you. And uh, also, if I give them an order uh, involving something with the flight, then they're the ones who are going to carry it out, and I expect you to mind their orders. And he kind of says, you know, look, this is what I expect of your behavior on the plane uh, while we're in flight. And if you do that, we'll have no problems. And thank you so much for flying with us, and we'll get you there safely. And uh, so some people have taken a little offense. Some people have said, you know what? He's the captain of the ship. So if he tells you what he expects before he leaves, why, then everybody knows where they stand. And (laughs) he probably wouldn't have done it if it hadn't been for all the situations we've had in the air. But anyway, you can hear... His speech, if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com. 
And, uh, you know, it, the, the good news is he didn't threaten you with a extremely bumpy flight if you don't behave. <laughs> Mendocino Railway has sent us a press release. They are related. Their sister company is a Sierra Northern Railroad. Um, they are taking a huge step forward. They are getting a grant that's going to allow them to use zero-emission locomotives on the trains in the Sierra foothills. This is kind of cool. I will... We'll track them down when this becomes a little closer to reality. But uh, one of our local tourism attractions is headed in the direction of no emissions. That is pretty cool. And finally, uh, a reminder that Music Circus and Broadway Sacramento is uh, sponsoring a special show on the 31st of August to featuring Broadway stars performing songs from some of your favorite musicals. It's a celebration of Richard Lewis's work. Um, over the over the years with Broadway Sacramento and Music Circus, ticket a link to tickets are at travelguysradio.com if you would like to go. And that is your travel news for today. I had an electric train. I always wondered why the trains weren't all electric. All right, uh, we were talking about airline pilots uh, in our next segment coming up in just a couple of minutes. We're going to discuss what not to say to your pilot. And for that matter, what not to say while crossing an international border. I wanted to lead off this segment before we get to the thing about the Southwest captain and get crossing international borders and the like. Um, at Sports Leisure Vacations, we have had a couple of tour groups in the last few weeks that have come back with some positive COVID uh, infections. One was a train trip all the way across Canada, and another one went up to Puget Sound. And this first time this has happened in three or four months. Um, statistics tell us that there's been an uptick in COVID infections. Uh, the third week of July is the last statistics I can find available online, and it's showing about a 30% uptick week over week. In other words, 30% more people in reporting infections the third week of July than the second week of July. The good news is that it, infections are down 80% year over year. So only a fifth as many people are sick with COVID as would have been sick in the middle of July last year. However... It has reared its head a little bit. Um, just as, this is just anecdotal evidence based on these two groups from Sports Leisure Vacations, the people who have become infected and the people who have not. Um, the booster shot is making all the difference. So if you're traveling and you haven't gone and gotten you haven't had a COVID booster shot in the last six months, there is a reasonably new one. It is more effective against current variants. I will tell you, like I said, based on anecdotal evidence, that people who had the booster shot in our situation – are not as sick as people who didn't. I roomed with somebody on one tour for five days. I had a booster. He didn't. He got COVID. I didn't. So that might be a sign that the booster shot, I know there are people who are listening to this who think this is all baloney. And so all I can tell you is uh, you're entitled to your opinion. But um, COVID is still around. And it's still causing some issues in Hawaii um, this last week. I saw that many of the vendors in smaller stores are back to wearing masks and also have put back up the sign saying in the small shops, you know, two, three person uh, maximum per time, you know, one family per entry, the, the shave ice places and things like that. So it's still out there. Please respect people who are, are choose to wear a mask and protect themselves. You don't know if it's because of COVID. They might be wearing a mask because they're coming off of a bad illness and they don't want you to get it. But um, if you think that, you know, you might have some symptoms, then make sure you get tested. 
especially if you're about to travel. No reason to share it with everybody else. But uh, if, you, if you're going to travel, get a booster shot. If you're not going to travel, get a booster shot anyway. Um, it'll help all of us. It keeps you from infecting other people. It's not a big deal um, if you haven't had any reaction. But especially if you're planning on traveling in the next couple months, go get that booster shot. I scheduled an appointment this morning, and I'm having mine tomorrow afternoon. So there you go. Well, all right. Great information. Good to know. I mean, I think a lot of folks have seen it in the news that there has been uh, an increase in COVID. And uh, uh, firsthand, uh, Mark, can, uh, you shared with us some uh, valuable information and i appreciate that it's not something that you had to do all right let's go ahead and talk about uh what not to say to your pilot yeah yeah you know first first of all you know i i never get a chance to see my pilot they they just sneak in there and they lock the door and that's that Uh uh-huh well this pilot was standing in the jetway and this guy who uh, pretends to be a comedian with a thing called jammer tv um, he uploaded this video to TikTok, which I don't understand why he would do this because it makes him look like a total idiot. But um, it is a real, and we have the, if you go to travelguysradio.com, this little video is there so you can see it yourself. You can uh, hear what the captain said. But basically, the exchange went like this Passenger, are you the pilot of this flight? Captain, yeah, what's up? Passenger, you haven't been drinking or anything, have you? Captain, you know what? That is the stupidest effing thing you could say passenger i'm joking around captain no i'm not joking passenger it's a joke sir captain no i'm not joking i can kick you off right now passenger i'm joking oh my god have you ever heard of a joke i'm a comedian captain calls him over you'll see this if you go to look at the video ask him to step aside and he says come here and the captain maintains pretty he's pretty cool through all this Come here. All right. You don't do that. And the reason is because, and he points to the gentleman, the guy behind him in line, boarding. And he says, that gentleman right there, or anyone else who is around, now doubts what I do for a living. I don't go into your work and say about your situation, so don't do it to me. Passenger, I'm very sorry I offended you. I understand. And then the passenger throws in a thing at the end that I really don't understand, and I'll leave that for those of you who go to watch the video. Here is the point. The one thing you would not say to an airline captain is, have you been drinking? Here's the deal. On some airlines, if that question is even asked publicly and can be heard by anybody else, the policies of some airlines is that the captain immediately goes and gets drug or alcohol tested. Now, what that does is that doesn't happen in five minutes. So you're into that entire plane load of people now is not going anywhere until they find another captain or until that guy tests negative and they get the, the results back, which what, I, what I'm reading online is anywhere from 90 minutes to two hours. So by being a total idiot, you could create a situation which caused not only that plane to be late, but if it's early in the day, that plane will be late all day long. You'll impact hundreds of people who won't get where they're going because you chose to ask that stupid little, little question. So um, words to the wise, the worst thing that you can say to the potential pilot um, is to go up and say, hey, you know, you had a few drinks there, sir, or something. They have really strict rules about that, about drug and alcohol testing for, for airline pilots. Um, they themselves have, uh, their union has some, some kind of unwritten rules that are even more stringent than that, even involving uh, uh, personal medications. So just 
Just know that that's a really bad thing to do. And watch that video if you get a moment on our website. It's only about 45 seconds long. Another thing to mention quickly, um, if you're crossing an international border, same thing. Keep it zipped. If you're going through TSA, you're passing, you're crossing international border, answer the questions that are put to, to you, smile a lot, um, hand over your ID or whatever you're asked for, and get on your way. There are probably lots of people behind you. It's no time to start a chit-chat personal conversation. The other thing is you may say something that sparks something in the person who's handling your, your crossing that causes you complications that are totally unnecessary. So just be quiet answer the questions, give them the information they need, and don't try to be too cute, especially when you're talking to an airline officer, because you might inadvertently create a situation that would really be bad for a lot of people. Not to mention the fact that, as the pilot said, right then and there, I could kick you off this flight right now. Well, great advice. You know, it's real easy. Uh, you know, you're on vacation, you're traveling, you know, maybe you're one of these guys. And I have a tendency to be that way that thinks that you got something cute to say and you open your mouth at the wrong time and it can uh, <laughs> it can turn out badly for you. Great advice, Mark. Thank you. All right. One quick thing I want to mention, Tom, that uh, story and the video comes to us from the website One Mile at a Time from Ben Schloppig, uh, who has been a guest on the Travel Guys previously. So thank you, Ben, for the use of that material. We pulled from our mailbag, which is from the TravelGuysRadio.com, and uh, we'll be answering some of those questions right here on the on the radio for you. Okay, Mark, uh, you ready to get started here? Let's. Yes. Well, you know what? Before before we talk about your trip over to uh, over to Kauai to scout out for sports leisure vacations, let's just talk about in general as a tour director for this company. Uh, tell me about the process that that you go through to put together a, a tour package. Well, um, in this case, we've been going to the island of Kauai for four decades. So many of the things that are common tourist attractions and even some of the things that are uncommon are things that are included in our itineraries over there. We usually spend three or four nights on the island. We're often, oftentimes Kauai, combining Kauai with another island. We decided to take a shot. Um, one of the reasons we decided, because this is my favorite of the islands, and I think the people are the friendliest on Kauai. It's just my opinion. Uh, I really like the feeling that I get when I'm there. So we decided to go over and see if we couldn't come up with a trip that visited that island and stayed five or six nights on that small island. Would there be enough to keep people busy and enough to do? And our purpose was to dig down a level below we had ever been before to try to meet some people and find some folks who could offer our visitors some things that maybe most visitors don't have the opportunity to experience. I mean, after all, that's sort of why you pay a tour company additional money to take you someplace, is you're hoping that their experience will be um, a little bit better. You know, they've done their homework, and so you know that you're buying something of value as opposed to going there and kind of taking a crapshoot on your own. Right, yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, here again... As a tour company, you you have a bit of an advantage over those that are just, you know, a couple of folks or a, a family traveling to the islands where you can meet up and, 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 and perhaps, you know, pull together some sites and some events 
that uh, others might not. Uh, is, is, is that the, often the case? It is. It is. And, and we went over there. So um, you asked, how does so something like this come together? Um, doing a lot of homework ahead of time, digging up everything you can find about things that people do on the island of Kauai uh, from any demographic, any age demographic whatsoever, um, not paying any attention to, well, this is something that my clients probably would do or they wouldn't do just anything at all, because sometimes things that you wouldn't do lead you to something that you would. And so in this case, we went over and met with the ladies at the Kauai Visitors Bureau, two very nice ladies, Debbie and Malia, who um, uh, helped us get uh, on the road. And what we were really – when you go to a destination, what you're looking for is to find the person at that destination that everybody there knows is the go-to person, is the great storyteller. In, In Hawaii, they say, who can talk story about a particular destination? So we found that man. Um, everybody calls him Chucky Boy. He runs the Kauai Museum, which if you're going, um, um, if you're going to Kauai, I remember I've been taking people there for four decades. They have this most wonderful little local museum. I had never stepped foot in it. In, I've probably been on that island a dozen times, at least. Never been to this museum. Not Small town museums are not everybody's thing. They're not always my thing. But this museum, he's got stuff... Chuck's got stuff hanging from the ceiling. He's run out of room years ago. So there's stuff everywhere. I mean, and, and Hawaii has such an interesting history. Anyway, um, of the new things that we found when we were there, the Kauai Museum is a place that you want to visit for sure. Um, we went on Wednesday night. There's a culinary market, farmer's market in Poipu, down on the south end of the island. Um, we got to sample uh, something I never tasted before, white pineapple. Uh, so let me just tell you, Tom, if anybody ever offers you a sample of white pineapple, it was one of the most delicious things I'd ever eaten in my life. Um, much sweeter than a regular yellow pineapple. Um, when I go back, I'm going to stuff myself full of it. There was a pie vendor there that had this blueberry pina colada pie made with fresh blueberries and with coconut on the top. That was unbelievable. Anyway, the culinary market at Poi Poo on Wednesday afternoons, if you're going there, um, starts it runs from like three thirty to six. Uh, we saw a show that's just recently come to the island, and my understanding is it's going to be performed every Thursday night from now on. It's just called the White Hawaiian, and it's about this man who tells you his family's history, and he's a Caucasian guy, and his his family's Hawaiian history goes back multiple generations, and so he traces his family's history back and shares it with you. Um, all the way up to the present, which includes his history as a performer and a comedian and the like. Um, show started a little slow, but it was kind of fun and is something that I would recommend you going to. Um, we went to, had a meal at Duke's Canoe Club. Never been there before. Uh, Duke's is famous. I think there's a Duke's location on every island, certainly a couple in Honolulu. Uh, the one on Kauai. If your plane lands like many do from the mainland between 1130, 1230, and now your hotel room isn't ready until 3 or 4. You're hungry. You've got to have something to do. Duke's is only about a mile from the airport. Would be an excellent uh, idea for a place to eat. We had a wonderful lunch there. Um, we went all the way to Hanalei Bay. The road gets a little windy and, and adventurous there. Um, and Hanalei Bay has some views uh, that, of course, it's also known in an old Peter, Paul, and Mary song as the land of Hanalei. Um, they pronounce it a little differently where Puff the Magic Dragon lives. So if you want to go up there, you can 
see the Magic Dragon and all of that stuff. Um, some old stuff, some old favorites we visited. Went and saw our buddy Will at Lydgate Farms. Uh, he does an amazing chocolate tour there. Will's been on the Travel Guys, and I'm sure we'll have him on again before too long. Uh, Wrangler Steakhouse in Waimea on the south end of the island. If you're going to Kauai, uh, you definitely want to make a visit there. Uh, shave Ice is all over the place. Try to find a place that has organic uh, syrups. Shave Ices now that used to cost a dollar and then cost $2 and then cost $3 now cost about $5 um, <laughs> for a big pile of shaved snow. Remember, shaved ice is not a snow cone. It's a whole different concept. We didn't get to Gaylord's for a meal on the island, but that's someplace that I really recommend to you. Um, hotels on Kauai are kind of uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, literally. Um, or maybe it better to say the expensive, the not so expensive, and the ugly. Uh, places in Poipu and Princeville on the south and north ends of the island, respectively, are going to cost you five, six, seven hundred dollars a night. Um, if you have that kind of money and you're willing to spend it there, that's terrific. If you're looking for something a little bit more moderate, um, there is a Sheraton around uh, Kapa'a. That's uh, used to be a courtyard. Now they're a Sheraton. They think a lot more of themselves. They're about five hundred dollars a night. I wouldn't pay that to stay there, but some people do. Um, and then around Coconut Plantation, there are some older properties. Some of them are timeshares, but some of them are hotel properties that have rooms in the 250 to $300 a night. Unfortunately, that's the low end on Kauai now. Uh, there's a Hilton Garden Inn, which is a little bit isolated, but if you have a rental car, wouldn't be bad, uh, that we have stayed at and we stayed at on this trip, which is going to be around $300 a night. Um, these are all plus taxes and bogus resort fees and anything else they can think of to get a few dollars um, out of your pocket. Uh, food on Kauai. If you thought food in Hawaii was expensive before, uh, you have no idea. So if paying $18 for a hamburger bothers you um, then and buying the French fries on top of it, then you probably shouldn't go because uh, food on Kauai is really, really, really expensive. Attractions are really expensive. Things on Hawaii, in Hawaii have always been more expensive in general on all the islands. Uh, if you want to go there, and then you've got to be willing to pay the freight. And just like the freight has gone up on the mainland, the freight has gone up proportionally on the, in the islands. So uh, the other thing I want to just say about uh, the islands is if you're going there, um, consider the possibility of, of giving something back. You know, the people in, in the islands have gotten a little tired of tourists who come over there and treat – um, Hawaii like a dumping place. So maybe a little respect to the destination. Treat it, like, treat it like it's your backyard because it is someone's backyard. Um, there's a lot of history and culture there. And if you spend a little time finding out about it, learning about it ahead of time or when you get there, there are opportunities to give back. Starting with this trip to Kauai, all of our future groups, groups to Hawaii at Sports Leisure Vacations are going to have a give-back project as part of their itinerary. Um, you can go over there even if you're not part of an organized group. Uh, Lydgate Beach on the island has a Saturday morning beach cleanup that anyone can be a part of for two hours on Saturday morning. Go out and help pick up the beach, clean up the beach. Um, there are all kinds of things that you can do to help. Um, Chucky at the uh, museum, the Kauai Museum, said he's got some pictures that he needs some help with restoration, so I think that might be our uh, contribution when we go over there. But the point is that the islands are a finite environment. 
And just like we haven't taken real good care of our environment here um, on the, in the lower 48, in some cases it's been the same way in Hawaii. And those folks have a very delicate environment there. And if you went over and you helped do something to keep the islands in better shape, I think it would make you feel better. And I know it would make the people in Hawaii feel better. Uh, behave yourselves when you go to another destination and you're a visitor. Um, you know, I mean, that's just common sense, but some people don't maybe understand that. Well put, Mark. Well put. Okay, uh, final final question here. Uh, you've covered quite a bit, uh, but do you have any any suggestions, any recommendations for folks headed to Kauai or the islands in general? Well, um, the whole respect the destination thing is, is really something right now because just like other destinations are having problems with people misbehaving, Hawaii's been having that problem for a while. And the people who live there, are, are some of them are kind of tired of it, and so they're starting to be pushback against tourism in areas that are going to have impact on people's visitation and what you have access to and stuff like that. Um, other than that, um, I would say, as I mentioned, um, COVID is still a little bit of a consideration there. Hawaii has been kind of uh, conservative in the way they have treated the whole COVID thing because it was a bigger deal for them. They're islands, after all, in the middle of the ocean. So um, if you go into a store over there and somebody's wearing a mask or something, don't give them a pile of garbage about it. Um, just respect the fact that um, that's the way that they choose to protect themselves. And like I said before, you may not know all of the reasons that they're wearing a mask. Pre-COVID, some people wore a mask just when they had a, a bad illness and they didn't want you to get it. Or they were recovering from it or somebody in their family had had something like that. So, Or other people have uh, immune system situations that, that make it beneficial for them to wear a mask when they're out in public so um and get that booster shot if you are going traveling get your covid booster shot please consider doing it it helps not only you but all the people that you're around so anyway a little bit about uh, hawaii and the island of Kauai in particular and you can bet as we put this tour together that we will be dedicating a whole show to some of the things that we found on the islands because we found some pretty cool stuff including that white pineapple at the culinary market in Poipu. <laughs> that time, Mark, time to dip into the Travel Guys mailbag. A quick reminder, if you would like uh, to send us a question, go to TravelGuysRadio.com. You can post it right there. Uh, if we don't get to it on the air, Mark is very good about answering your questions back in email form, too. All right, Mark, are you ready? I am, and we probably should do this again because we have a backlog of really good questions and like i said i try to answer them but sometimes they're good things to share with our with our full audience all right bradford writes family vacation coming up and renting a car you mentioned something about car rental companies a way back something you told everyone to do and uh, he says he can't remember what it was uh that's it i i know that feeling quite well uh, <laughs> he says i don't rent cars off and maybe twice a year uh, he, he goes on and, and flatters us by saying that he loves the program and that uh, we're, we're straight shooters. We, we tell it like it is. He, so with that being said, tell it like it is, Mark. What, what have we talked about other than the fact that the price of uh, car rentals often go up? And be sure to take a picture of your rental car. Uh, yeah, the, the picture thing, I'm not sure which one he's referring to, but there are two things that i'm really reminded of one is when you take your car back even if somebody checks you in with the car 
a smart person, a smart traveler goes around and takes two or three pictures of the outside of the vehicle. Um, if there was anything when you check the car out, if there's a dent or a scratch that's really noticeable or something on the interior car of the car that's noticeable, you want to take a picture of that when you leave because, of course, with your phone, your pictures are time-dated. So it won't be difficult to prove when the picture was taken. So when you take the car back, I did this in Hawaii on, on Friday, um, I always take a few pictures so that if the car rental company wants to come back later and say, hey, uh, you know, this car was damaged and XYZ happened and you need to pay us, then I can say, you know, no, not so much. So that would be one thing. And then the other thing is join the frequent renter program, even if you're not a frequent renter. So if you're going to rent a car from Avis, become part of whatever their program is called. I'm a Hertz person. And uh, in many cases, you'll find that if you have a premium credit card, that some level with some car company is included in that. Um, take advantage of that. I went to Kauai. I have a little bit of status with Hertz. I'm not on their top level. But when I got there, my name is on a board. And it says, Mr. Hoffman, your car is in space 407. So I walk over and get my car, and the keys are in it, and I drive to the little booth, and I give them my ID, and I'm gone. And meantime, the other people who are on the shuttle bus with me, they're all in a line that's, oh, probably 20 minutes long and before they get their car assigned to them. So just belonging to that program, even if you're not a frequent renter, in many cases, will save you considerable time. Hertz, for example, had three lines. Well, two lines and a board. The board for the status people, a line for people who are members of their program, and then a line for the great unwashed. The great unwashed line had most of the people in it. So sometimes, even if you have no intention of collecting miles, points, whatever it is, participating in their program, you're not even a frequent customer, the fact that you took the time to join their program tells them that maybe you might be more inclined to be a regular customer than somebody else. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, one of the programs that uh, I'm involved in, is, is it, it, and it said, tells it like it is. It's called Fast Track. And it's designed to help cut through the through the crap and, and and get things going. And keep in mind that when you do sign up for these programs, what you're doing is you're giving them all the information that you would be giving them at the counter. But instead, it's all in the system. You know uh, what you're going to charge the card you're going to charge it on, all of your background information that you need, uh, your address, and and all of that stuff. So. All of the, the minutiae that you have to stand at the counter and fill out is all taken care of, so you can basically just rent and go. Okay, uh, question number two from Caitlin. Uh, made a flight reservation today, tried to pick out seats, but all the seats on the chart showed an additional charge. Don't airlines have to honor the price on the screen? And uh, how, do I, how do I get a seat? Okay, so this is not uncommon. You're, you're, you make a reservation for a flight fairly close to departure date, two, three weeks ahead of time. It's summertime. Uh, flights are full. She probably logged on, and let's pretend you're on a United flight and you log on, and the only seats that are available are Economy Plus, which come at a premium, and what they call preferred locations, which don't offer you any extra space or room but are simply further up in the aircraft than the very back of the airplane. So they're generally aisle and window seats in the middle of the plane. So she logs on and she sees that every seat has a premium price to it. Might only be fifteen or twenty dollars, but she's saying, "Well, gee, you know, my price is supposed to be two seventy-five round trip, and that's what I want." 
and nothing wrong with that. She may have lucked out and hit a sweet spot. When the airlines, if United runs out of seats at that low fare, they may keep selling seats because they still have seats on the aircraft. Does that make sense? Yeah. They, if, there were, if there were 90 regular economy seats and there's 150 seats on the airplane, when they sell those 90 economy seats, if some of those other 60 are still left, they keep selling economy seats. So now what happens is there are more economy customers than there are seats. So what happens is the day before, sometimes six, eight hours before, they will go in and give all those people who paid that economy fare one of those upgraded seats. So in some cases, I have sat next to people who got Economy Plus. Sometimes you get the middle. You're not going to get an aisle, most likely. But sometimes you get a middle seat. But still, you got a seat that would have cost you $50, 60 70 $100 more if you'd have paid for it. So don't be alarmed. If you see there are no seats, buy your ticket. The airline will accommodate you in a seat on an aircraft, or they will have to reimburse you considerable money. So they're going to figure out a way to put you on the plane. You probably won't get a seat assignment till the last minute. You likely will get a seat that costs a little bit more than what you paid for, and maybe you'll get a seat with some more legroom. Okay, one last quick question from Allison about airport hotels. Why are they so expensive, she asks. Any hack or workaround that you can suggest would be appreciated. Um, airport hotels are generally more expensive on the days that airfares are more expensive. So um, if you look at Mondays and Fridays and Sundays, um, those are times when people are around airports. Middle of the week, Tuesday and Wednesday nights, maybe not quite so much. Um, some hotels at airports go up around holidays or special events in the city, festivals, fairs, things like that. Um, here's a couple of thoughts. Consider hotels that are more than just airport properties. Many hotels that are two, three, four miles away have their own shuttles, and they may be as much as 50% less than those hotels that are close to the airport and they provide a free shuttle. If it's dependable, then that's a good go. Another thing is if you have some miles saved up uh, for an airline program or even a hotel program, oftentimes the number of miles required doesn't match the high price, and that's a good way to use your miles. All right, my friends, it's a wrap for today's Travel Guys. Remember, TravelGuysRadio.com. Leave questions, information about the show available there. Mark? Thank you so much for coming along with us today. Remember, dance like nobody's watching. Stay well, my friends. See you next week here on The Travel Guys.